guys, welcome to Nuance, a very special episode today Woo-hoo! because we have two OG members back <laughs> on a Skype call due to, you know, Corona distancing and such. Uh, yes. So welcome back, Daniel well, and Crazy. Crazy yeah. and Daniel. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so guys, where have you been? We were ditched. How, how, yeah, you, you threw us away. Kind of, sort of. fell in love and threw us away. <laughs> Well, it's been like, I don't know. I don't even know how long it's been now, but it's been crazy. You know, we got married and actually we um, had a baby. So now we are. um, Yeah, thank you so much. So now we're back in the States and, you know, it's been really crazy. I mean, I don't know how else to say. No, yeah. how else to say it, right? We, we thought and we were the, something and, and, and nothing is settled, so yeah and do you feel like a lion mom now do you understand how batshit crazy i can get over my children now danielle do you get it now no from the moment (laughs) my baby was born like the feeling it's crazy how much you like just emotionally you it's like you tap into this new place and absolutely i understand i'm like i feel like i'm a like i call myself a mama bear you know yeah it's real it's real yeah and you will suck the life out of a person who tries to do anything to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is what I think you're makes talking. Cool. <laughs> Jesus. No, damn. Anya is trying to be, you know, Bring PC. back the normalcy into, you know, this whole... <laughs> you know, I, guess, I guess I can't understand since I'm not a mother yet. So, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> and Crazy, well, how is it been for you? For me as a father, it's very interesting. It's that, you know... Okay. You realize, Crazy like, how... you don't say interesting like it's a book, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, interesting in the sense that you know, like, in a very short space of time, like you're learning yeah. a lot. Your your relationship changes. Yeah, that's um, true. you just have a protective side to you that you know is new. So there are all of these new things to discover. Dan changes, I change, but I, it's all very positive. I think. I think it's like it's it's like another kind of level that I don't think you're aware of when you're new. You see aware, all so. these other people doing it, mm-hmm. but it's like weird until you, it's your experience. I think you can only really understand. You can only really understand it from a distance, and then going through it, like everything clicks now. Like I remember right before having the baby, um, there was all of these like Corona memes going around, and yeah. it was like oh, people. I don't know if you remember on social media. It's still kind of happening, but like people were posting everything they were doing. They were they were cooking new things. They were going on runs, blah, blah, blah. And so one of my friends who's a parent posted like, you know, people without kids. And it was like, um, all of these things I just listed. And they're like, people with kids, like, great. Now I have an extra five minutes to sleep. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to join that club. I was like, I'm about to join the dark side. And he was like, no really there's no sleep there is no dark side (laughs) I thought he was like I thought he was exaggerating but literally there there is no sleep (laughs) yeah but I think um like you said you know it's 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 something that you never nobody can tell you about it you have to really you 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 have to walk the path yourself you know when i when i look at both of you right now cuz actually we're watching we're we're having a skype chat so we can see them video chat video chat yeah. you know i i you look you you both look so much more grown and mature 
and take it in the most positive way. Like a real I'm not saying that you look older or anything, but you just look more mature. And I think that's one of the greatest part of the adventure of having children, right? I just I just feel like you 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 your world gets expanded, your humanity gets expanded. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations to the three of you. Thank congratulations you so much. You, and I feel very proud. I hope you understand that that child is partially it's my grandchild. Baby, and it's also, <laughs> yes, it's a nuanced baby. Exactly. Aww. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we, we, we're happy that you're joining us. Um, the time is rough, though. This, this madness has been rough. The last that's been going yeah. on. Yeah. Where do we begin? Just to segue into it. I think having this conversation about being new parents and everything that's going on right now and these new feelings that you have like i'm i'm i i it's like i have a whole new level of anger and disgust and pain and and energy about mm-hmm. what's happening right now yeah we just came back like well, we told you we today was the day that they had the in stuttgart the you know Stuttgart Solidarity March, solidarity to what's happening there in the U.S. But also around all of Europe. So there were demonstrations in London, also in Paris, mm-hmm. and as 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 you know, you said. Did you see anything in in the U.K. crazy? Um, I believe, yeah, there are mainly London, and I also saw a friend from Manchester post about mm-hmm. going to protest protest there. Yeah. Whether it's wider than that or not, I haven't actually had the time to catch up and and find out how that is, but. I know that people are energized about it. And I know that even though the UK kind of touts itself as a friendlier version of the police, I think we're like in the Western world, we're like number two lowest in terms of homicide by police. Like it's pretty low chance that you're going to get killed by the police there. It's Mm. still, they, they still have elements of brutality. It's just in the nature of the police and what they do. So, um, and I think a lot of British people also can uh, can identify with and also see the, the madness of what's going on in America because, you know, there is that cultural tie between Britain and America, which it, it makes it easier to understand. It's kind of like an alternate reality. If you look at Britain, you can kind of see like, oh, this is us in another dimension yeah. when you look at the US. So yeah. I think that's also energizing people in the UK to talk about it. Right. Well, I have to say that, I mean, today when we went to the the, the demonstration in Stuttgart, I was pleasantly surprised with the crowd. It was very, very, um, it was a big crowd yeah. and it was very, a very mixed crowd. Like there yeah. are lots of, um, and you know this, Daniel, from living here, like, you know, there are lots of white German people there. And the, the, the signs, some of the signs that we saw just, you know. It, some were more funnier, some were more serious. Yeah, it, fe- it felt like they are getting the nuance yeah. of of yeah. this whole thing yeah. you know that it's not um racism racism is not something for black people to solve you know yeah. it's, it's something right. for white people to acknowledge and pull apart and these yeah. dismantle and and come to where we are at you know in terms of our understanding of it right absolutely um, that's been my crowd, impression here I remember, I remember some time ago when we, when we first met Daniel, you had said to me that when we were doing, remember when, when we were doing the open mic thing and you were saying that, you know, you, you think it's important that the spaces that black people create should not be, you know, the mic shouldn't be held by a white person. 
<laughs> and I remember that because today when we were at the demonstration, there was this white girl that was um on stage, and the whole time I was saying to Anya, she can imagine, imagine Daniel was here. <laughs> but you know what though, <laughs> what she was saying, like remember what she yeah, was she, she was, was she was basically make... speaking to the white people, which I think that is what um needs to happen. Like the conversation needs to be with right. them, where it's not supposed to be. I mean. Yeah, they need to hear the explanation, like from our side, like how it is to, you know, to be black, to have to deal with certain situations and such. But at the end of the day, the people who are like, you know, portraying these racial slurs or, you know, also have like backhanded compliments and stuff like that are white people. And like it is within families. I don't know if you've you've I've seen the video of this. Well, like, hold on before you go that just let's mention and what she was saying oh, basically she was i think she i think she did a well-rounded job of saying like look this is like our thing to do we need to like we have the privilege of being able to just be able to like read about it we'll never have to like experience the things that they're experiencing also i think i don't know if it was her if it was another white guy who was also talking about that like they need to understand that backhanded compliments like oh my god you speak so good german like how long have you been here or like you know you're really pretty for a black girl and stuff like that that it's like really insensitive and hurtful and i thought for me as somebody who's like i think i've i don't know how many times i've heard I've, I've like i've heard that um it does hurt and sure it's not you know somebody like you know standing on my throat or anything like that but it's those subtle you know those subtle things you have to deal with on, your, on the day-to-day and it's good to see that you know why people are starting to acknowledging and acknowledge that and see that you know as their problem yeah, to solve yeah, because like there's yeah. nothing i can do or you know i think that black we people should can do, do that can stop them from being the way that they are yeah so well, um I think yeah back to yeah what I, I think he said was really interesting about how like they it's an it's an issue within their own community within their own families and it's not something that they experience because it's not something that they experience but it's something that they inflict and all mm-hmm. of the things that those are those things that for so long the spotlight has been on like tell us tell us your pain tell us your struggle and it's like no tell us yeah. what you're doing to stop putting that and, on me yeah exactly yeah. I think exactly. there's something massive true about that because I think a lot of people, I would say actually the majority of people across the racial spectrum understand what racism is, understand what it looks like. And yeah. sometimes I feel like the please tell us your pain and all of this kind of thing is actually a, a almost sadistic way of kind of living through it and vicariously. Yeah, 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 yeah. What you go through, you know what I mean? Kind of. Um, trying to participate in uh, in both sides of that mm-hmm. that caused me of like uh, of like what is it like to inflict it but also like how much power do I have on right this? and I think that it's also a way to distract from the real conversation which was how does this end and I yeah. think you know Black Lives Matter at this point is eight years old and it's also it, it it's a another step in this fight for you know equality and equity and justice and I think that. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was absolutely a way to distract from the real conversation by being like, you know, what what are we doing? Tell us more what we're doing. And it's been used yeah. actually for generations because yeah. that stopped the conversation from going forward. And what I really like about what we've seen in this last week is that it's absolutely a multiracial coalition that's out here saying mm-hmm. yeah. enough. But enough. Yeah. The 
station is also like, I've had a lot of white people, you know, I, I come from a pretty diverse area outside of DC and many of the white people that I grew up with have reached out and said, you know, I'm ready to do this work, this work that before, you know, it's easy. It's, it's painful and it's uncomfortable to say I'm a part of this, but I think like this last week has shown these people like, so be it. Like I have to accept that I have to swallow that. And so yeah. just hearing, said about the protest today and how it was a white woman. Yeah, maybe, you know, five years ago, I would have felt like, no, you shouldn't be in the front. But now I feel like this is ultimately a white people problem. And so- white Yes, and it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not our fight. And, you know, I have to say one of the things that has really been draining is that it's a very exhausting thing mm-hmm. to have to walk through and educate. And first yeah. of all, I have to tell you why I'm upset. Then I have to tell you why you should be upset. And then I also have to explain to you what you have to do to help yeah. the situation not be upsetting. Yeah. But I want to make a point regarding wording. Cause you know, I'm, you know, we were, we, we had this episode once where we talked about black privilege and we, you, you remember that episode where we went yeah. 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 <laughs> crazy on each other about black privilege. But I wanted to ask the question about the use, like when I see, for example, on TV right now, when you see and people make posts, white people make posts and comments, they are always first and foremost acknowledging their white privilege. And, you know, they'll say, yeah, I know I have white privilege. I understand my white privilege. And, you know, so there is a wording there of like claiming their white privilege, right? And it it feels to me, it I don't know, it rubs me in the wrong way when you see, when, when I hear white people repeating to me, what it is that they have, right? It's not enough for you to say to me, you have white privilege, because in a way I sense that it's saying to me, yeah, I know I'm above you, you know, I know I'm above you, but I'm going to try hard not to be above you today and next Mm -hmm. week. You see what I'm saying? And it's, 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 it's 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 a tricky thing with regards to the magic of words, what you do, because the more they repeat, I have a, I know I have white privilege and then black people repeat, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Take your knee off my neck. It's, it's, it's like we are, we are doing a chant and a mantra that is dangerous to our psyche. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, a lot of white people are able to, they're not, in, in the fact that they're saying I have white privilege, it's kind of in a sort of way building themselves up. And yeah. then when even today at demonstration, I was saying to Anya at one section, there were some young guys, they, you know, they formed a circle and they were like doing a kind of a role play of what happened to George Floyd. And they were like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I thought, no, this is not what we need to be doing. Like, this is yeah. not a good yeah. look yeah, because yeah. it's like you're first of all, re-traumatizing yourself. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, creating this this trauma bond with the wording and psyche and and that that for me is i would love to see more people pushing back at white people saying oh i know i have white privilege no don't repeat that don't say that your job no because we have established that yes we have to establish that you've used your white privilege as a weapon against black bodies now, don't tell me that. What you need to be telling me the first time we talk about it is this is what I am doing. Right. Do you see? Yes, I do. And what I was what I was gonna just say before is like, let me tell you something. You will never see me chanting, I can't breathe. You will never me see too. me 
doing a die-in. You will never, because I absolutely believe everything you just said about this is a mantra. This is, this is not something, as long as there's breath in my chest, as long as my heart is beating and I am here, I am here Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, and I'm going to speak about where we go from here. I'm not going to be sitting here talking about how I can't breathe. I think, I think the phrase I can't breathe is actually almost a self-silent. Yeah. I can uh, breathe. You know, Definitely. I can't breathe. I've been breathing despite your hardest attempts to, to stop me, should be yes. you know, the mantra. But I think just before we go into like uh, the various elements of it, I think it's important to break it down into, at least from my perspective, the the uh, the various elements of it. So I think there's the there's the conversation which is about like racial inequalities, which is a global one, and I think you can find it in almost all countries and then i think there's the very specific situation going on here right now which is in addition to that and it's to do with uh, yeah. the level of power afforded to the police um systemic and historical injustices in the u.s and also very much so coronavirus and poor leadership uh with that in mind so i think these are all particularly when you look at it from the u.s angle right now what's going on here it's kind of um a consolidation of all of those things because it's just been a powder yeah. keg. It's just been waiting. Yeah. It's been because, bubbling. Yeah, because the protests that you see on the street would not be happening if it weren't for coronavirus. Oh, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there's like twenty percent of the working population is out of work right yeah, now. Yeah, and I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think a lot of, um, I started to cut you off crazy, but I think a lot of even people in the news media, like have accepted it, that the fact that, you know, because of coronavirus, we've been out of our like rat race, out of our cycle, you know, going to work from nine to five and then basically, you know, having like a couple of minutes stuff to like scroll instagram and you know and the 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 corona as much as much as you know corona was off and people did lose their lives and are you know still battling it and all but you can i think we can all agree that in a very weird way it was a kind of a blessing for each individually and i think as a society because we were able to kind of like get a pair of fresh eyes look at really look at the thing and look like all right but this doesn't make any sense so people who i'm sure you've also seen like a lot of people saying who that people need to start to apologize to even like um colin kaepernick for taking the knee like that was that was the whole reason why he was you know taking a stance because there is inequality and they need to do something against it and to see now that there are so many people like you know going to the extremes of you know rioting and looting and people are just 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 like angry about it you know that like it took it took so many so many people had to die in the making like good or bad in the sense of like what they were before if they were criminals or not like the way it's it's, it's awful the way they ended up dying in in yeah. you know in custody um to you know to, towards to people who are supposed to be protecting them you know um and so just to come off of what Anya was saying because i wanted to just like get into the meat of the thing right so when she said what you said a while ago about the, he's this is not the first death right george floyd and yeah. we we know this right and i was saying to my sister earlier today like i have still not gone over trayvon martin daniel Thank earlier you. this week when Thank we spoke you. earlier when we spoke um this week i said to you i didn't watch the video with george floyd and i didn't watch it just because of the whole trauma thing and the re-traumatization of it but mostly it comes from the fact like i'm not over trayvon i'm still not over trayvon martin being killed right um and he i think so basically yeah zimmerman is walking the streets of the u.s like you know like yeah. he's living his best life right so my thing is 
should we like i don't know if you saw candy's owens video that she put out girl you know i don't oh. watch candace owens. <laughs> is, this the one, is, this, is this the is this the video from last night that was uh retweeted by uh donald trump about it, with glenn Beck? no it's a video where she talked her the video that she made was about the fact that george um george floyd shouldn't yeah. be seen as a martyr because and she did a good um a good you know good bad whatever background you could call search. it background search of what he did and what you know he's what a crim he was. he was a criminal and how many times he's been in jail and da, 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 da. and again i agree with you danielle i'm not a big fan of the fact that she goes off on the black community in ways that you know sometimes it's just like chill but the point for me in that particular video and and this is what the whole blexit that she is this movement that she has about how every election year black americans are riled up and that it is this is this is part of this this is this what's happening now is a part of the democratic um agenda to rile people up black people up for the votes your thoughts um so just if i if i jump in here um when it comes to candace owens i think anybody who's heard me speak on her knows that i am probably the furthest thing from a candace owens fan i think that what she's doing is pandering to the people whose feelings are hurt right now that they have to address, um, you know, black issues. And mm -hmm. I think that for Candace to bring up George Floyd's criminal record or whatever it may be, it's completely irrelevant. You know what I mean? It actually mm -hmm. doesn't, if you believe in justice and you believe in, you know, equal crime, equal punishment, blah, 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 blah. If you believe in those concepts, which is something that's supposedly enshrined within the US constitution, then you believe that as a man who had served his time in prison, that is done, that he's been absolved of that, firstly. So that shouldn't be brought into the conversation. Well, his past mm -hmm. criminal behavior is done. You can't have somebody who's been in prison, for example, and then preemptively arrest them or preemptively convict them of stuff, because that goes into you know the idea of pre-crime. If you've ever seen the film or read the book Minority Report, the idea that you can kind of predict yeah. whether someone's gonna do a crime. I watched I the movie, that, yeah. I think, what she's speaking about is very dangerous the whole he was no angel narrative one it doesn't yeah. matter but even so you know does the crime fit the punishment does does forging 20 dollar uh no yeah, which yeah. is alleged mean that you should lose your life and yeah. in a public way um surrounded by you know law enforcement who are happy happy to do that and you knew full well that there were cameras in their face and did it nonetheless mm -hmm. um so there's that and i think also I think it's also very important to point out what it means to be convicted in America and how justice is typically applied. It's not um, unusual for black people to have criminal histories in the US because of the way, because of the way the criminal justice system works. The 13th Amendment basically is the amendment that um, abolished slavery, but there are provisions, you know what I mean? If you are in mm -hmm. prison, you can basically be compelled to participate in labor. And that is something that has um, reinforced slavery-like conditions, particularly in the South. For example, there was, yeah, for example, there was even a prison, I've forgotten where it was, it was in, Georgia. in Georgia, where they, the, the inmates were forced to pick cotton as part of their oh, service. What? In like today and age, the 21st century? This happened, this, it's when, the, when did this? It's the largest, it's the largest prison in America, and it is actually a former plantation and mm -hmm. to this day, you can see black people picking cotton in the fields. Wow. Then. 
Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure that's in Georgia. I thought the one place you was going to mention is even more recently. Um, and this also goes back to something you said earlier, Enya, about you know how it's been a blessing for COVID because we could take a step back. But also in taking a step back, you see like these essential workers mm. are also predominantly black and they yeah. are not, there's a, a not very funny joke here that like, it's not that they're essential workers, it's that they're sacrificial workers because mm. they are getting the supplies that they need to be able to safely work. And I believe it was in Georgia that um, some of the um, like trash men basically said, we're gonna go on strike unless we get the supplies we need to get the trash safely. Yeah. So they fired them and then they are now using um, prison, labor. prison labor, forcing the, do the dirty work to, basically. To literally the dirty work. So, you know, yeah, the prison, basically I think that like, there are a lot of different angles that we can look at how to fix things in America when it comes to the way that black lives um, are treated in this country. And it all always goes back to slavery and yeah. it goes back to this. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but what I, what, what could I, could I just go, I want to, I want us to, to focus so the discussion a bit on this matter of it is 2020 in November, there's going to be an election, right? Is this a part of a push on the part of the Democrats? Again, you know my position on Obama. Trayvon Martin died when Obama was president and nothing was done, right? So it's like, okay, my question is, is this some kind of playbook, right? That is being played out and black people are the ones who are, like you said, the sacrificial lambs, right? Because the, the blacks are the ones on the streets. Yeah, but couldn't you not? Didn't, didn't, weren't you the one who told me that there was um, statistics that basically like Trump became president even without the black vote? You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's kind of like that wasn't the difference that made, you know, Trump not become president or mm -hmm. like made Hillary become a president. Maybe it was, you know, on Hillary's part because, you know, many people, you know, found her also controversial in their own ways, you know, to, to a certain extent. But well, if I that really, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just wanted to jump in because I, I hear, you know, the, the names like Hillary and Obama kind of put in there. I think what we're looking at is actually the, the very effective way in which the American political system has been split into two opposing camps, okay? You've got what is actually extremely conservative and moderately conservative. Those are basically the two main options in the Democrats and the Republicans. Those are the two options. There's no real strong organized left like there is. I mean, even in Europe, it's not super organized and strong, but that, you know, there is at least a presence for leftist parties and stuff like that. That doesn't really exist. There's kind of a false narrative, which is um, propagated by, you know, platforms like Fox News and stuff like that, that the Democrats are the left. And I, I absolutely disagree with that. I think the idea that black people are being used as pawns, I don't believe that because I believe that the Democrats are paid to paid to lose. I think they're more than happy to sit back and not make any structural change. They still get paid. Nancy Pelosi still what, you know, almost by some, yeah, yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars. Nancy Pelosi, this kind of resistance queen, that's how she's referred to. She's not, she doesn't have the same class interests as black voters. Do you know what I mean? No matter what yeah. lip service she pays to it. The same with Joe Biden. Do you know what I mean? Joe Biden is someone who fought for segregation in the past. I don't think black people are being used for that purpose. I believe. Oh, that but that? Can I just cut right because I want to ask? But I don't both believe of you. that they. They um. They. I don't believe that they pushed for this. I don't believe if 
I right. believe that if Democrats actually cared about black issues, they would have made systematic changes to address decades things. Ago. Yeah, decades ago, and yeah. to address things like black voter suppression, redlining, all of these things, even under a black president, I don't think these happen. I wanted to ask you if you had watched the interview with Charlemagne and Joe Biden, and what you thought of his comments that you know you're not black if you don't vote for me. I thought it was a ludicrous thing to say, and I think it, it was shows, offensive. I thought it showed. Um, yeah. Biden is by no means an ally. I mean, his voting record historically, the things that he's championed, whether it's the crime bill in 92 or whether it's the Iraq war, I think there's a very clear example that Joe Biden doesn't care about the interests of black or minority groups at all, whether it's domestically or globally. Um, and I think it's, you know, I could go into a whole other conversation about how, um, how bizarre it is that Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee and indeed acting like the nominee when he still um, hasn't met the number of delegates to, to be officially the nominee. nominee. He's just a supposed or presumed nominee um, because everyone else has dropped out. And one thing I would like to just um, answer the question that you um, asked about initially, which was like, is this, you know, black people being manipulated into doing the Democrats dirty work? And mm -hmm. from what I can see, this is absolutely a truly grassroots movement of people, all people in all 50 states and 18 countries now have stood up and protested the treatment of black people in this country. So, you know, any idea that it's like, it's some, some bigger scheme, you know, and we're just, you know, these dumb people falling for it. It's definitely not that way. It's also not just black people doing it again. Like I said earlier, this is a multiracial movement. Um, I think mm -hmm. there are people across the racial spectrum that see that Black Lives Matter and they're willing to stand up and say it. Um, and that part has just been like, I think the driving force to this, it's not that there's some bigger political scheme. Mm -hmm. So what's the prediction going forward then? I mean, because right now, for, right now, I saw the, I saw yesterday, there is this road um, that is driving towards the White House. On the on the on the street, it's written "Black Lives Matter." They've changed, actually changed the name of a street. I think what what is what is the way forward? Because Trump obviously is a troll, right? And he he is you know I I was saying to Anya that I didn't I haven't heard him actually call George Floyd's name and said, "Look, this is you know it's awful what happened to him." Has he has he made a statement? Well, he did. Okay. He, uh, I think it was yesterday. He had a press conference because that's what I heard. That I heard that the, um, mm -hmm. the unemployment rate has dropped, has uh, fallen 7%. So yeah. one from 20% to 13%, which just honestly sounds like a fudge of the numbers because that's it seems that way. It does, just doesn't make sense because when you think about Europe, Europe is having, is, is having went through the same thing and I think generally did better at managing it than the US. Right. And, right. They, and the numbers here are trending down high for unemployment. So and, it's and weird. Case, really, the thing that drives Trump's face is the economy. You know, they, they try right. to say like, Oh, you know, I mean, there are like the super extreme, you know, racist people that, you know, follow him for his racism. But there's very much a group of people that are like, it's not that I'm racist. He's just so good at the economy, which like obviously with the economy crashing, you know, what what excuse do they have to support him anymore? So I think, you know, especially with these protests the last week and just like much of the much of the foundation that he's been building over these past few years just 
literally falling apart under his feet. I think yeah. that this move to try and be like, you know, actually, you know, we're, we're starting to get that double speak. We're starting to get real true fake news coming straight out of the White House that it's yeah. fallen that much. But in that um, in that press conference, he actually did invoke George Floyd's name. Name, he yeah. He tried to say that like George Floyd something like George Floyd would be happy about what's what's going on yes, now. He said, I, I, I watched it and he said George Floyd is is happy now in heaven because the unemployment happy. rates are, you know, trending down. Exactly. So, he's, he's having a happy crazy. day. The man has not been in the ground not one week. And this man is going to invoke his name like that. It's just it is disgusting. I'm trying to tell you the visceral disgust and anger that yeah. many but it's not, it's not even just black people. And I don't like the fact that I keep saying that because I do think that we should be centered and it should be focused on our voices. But also like, again, from what we said at the beginning, this is a white people problem and you are seeing white outrage at this yeah. because it's just so disgusting. Then it's been a week. Let's, let's move towards the ratchet a bit. What are we doing with the celebrities, the black celebrities in America? And there, every second day, somebody's apologizing. Did you see what happened with Trina? Did you hear Trina's comments? Oh, what did Trina do? How am I knowing this, Danielle? Girl, because I, was... I am a new mom. <laughs> <laughs> Trina, wait, because you know Trina and Trick Daddy, both of them have like a, um, a radio program in Miami. And she went on air and really cussed out the people who were who were um, demonstrating, calling them animals from the zoo and all of these crazy things. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Right. Right. I mean, to me, whenever I hear people talking that way, I'm just like, you don't know your history. You don't know your history. You don't have the political wisdom to know that. You know, like Martin Luther King said, riots are the language of the unheard. You know, this isn't happening mm -hmm. for no reason, you know, and if, and if that's what it appears to you and it's like a bunch of crazy hooligans, whatever racist, you know, code words you want to say that you don't even realize you're saying, that's that's your problem. Um, I think it's yeah. But, you know, rioting, civil disobedience are actually part of the American um, DNA when you mm -hmm. look at party for example the idea because one of the things i hear a yeah, lot is, one, one of the things i hear a lot is that it's bad for commerce there are small businesses that get hurt for example but you know uh, and it's not right to destroy property all this kind of thing and you know i always refer to yeah one the boston tea party which was huge amounts of you know um tea dumped into the harbor as a protest um which, you know yeah. thousands of dollars at the time would have been worth yeah. you know, maybe even millions of dollars. And in 1786 to 1787 as well, I believe there was a peasants revolt where um, there was a lot of civil disobedience in the streets too over taxation. Um, and that level of um, aggression actually resulted in changes to how the constitution was written. So yeah. I think it's important to know that these are actually parts of the American tradition and when when I when I hear people naysaying it, I think you know it's another kind of one rule for us, one rule for you type of thing where you mm -hmm. know we're allowed to have protest within our tradition and heritage, but if you do it, you're kind of breaking the rules. So tell me that you heard what Ti and Killer Mike said in Atlanta then. Um, oh, I've just been on. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what the hell. Am I? Am I am I right in thinking that Killer Mike uh, 
he was saying very strongly, you know, that you, there should be no um, destruction or anything like that. In no, no, but be clear, he was saying there was no destruction in Atlanta. That they can keep the the the, the, the demonstration in um, Minneapolis and where it was, but don't take it to Atlanta. And then Ti with his, you know, I, you know, I have problems with Ti. He literally said at the press conference that Atlanta is Wakanda land and that, you know, you should protect it. It was so insane. Um, well, let's not forget that Ahmed Arbery was killed in Georgia and it took like murdered. months, mur sorry, murdered in Georgia and it took months for his killers to be even so much as charged. Even so much as charged. The yeah. people in Georgia. Now, here's another oh. one that we don't talk about very often, but it's mm -hmm. huge. In Atlanta, um, back in the 80s, there was something called the, what was it, the child murders, the Atlanta child murders. Yeah. And basically, this was the killing of, you know, dozens of little black boys. And, you know, no justice was served. They pinned two of the murders on one black guy, you know, and um, there's a lot of conspiracies about what happened to these children. But one of the big things that the black community in Atlanta believes is that, you know, this was totally mismanaged by the police force, that it could have easily been racially targeted from, you know, racist organizations down there. And ultimately there was a whole generation of people in Atlanta that grew up with the fear that they were going to be kidnapped and they were going to be murdered if they simply went out on the streets as children. So there's a mm -hmm. trauma. There's a and and the reason why it was able to go on, you know, you you learn is like because again, segregation meant that the white neighborhoods did not have this problem, didn't have to see this problem. But while a whole generation of black people, you know, grew up with this fear. Yeah. So mm. Atlanta on the surface, it looks very pro-black and, you know, there are a lot of black people and they got a lot of great things. And, you know, again, I think sometimes, especially when we have rebellions, like we see right now, we focus on the, um, on the oppressive side of black people. But like, I think Atlanta is a great example of all the beautiful, empowering things that black people bring and have in this country. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a flip side to it. And so to act like there's no reason why there would be you know, that those type, that type of tension in Atlanta for a protest to take place just literally doesn't make sense to me. I mean, for me, one of the things that bothered is just the fact that it's kind of like, you know, in slavery, you had the field slaves and you had the house slaves, right? And I feel like a lot of these celebrities are playing the role really well of the house slaves because they have, they have been mom. able... Not, not just coons, but I feel like they've gotten a certain level of material um, achievement, right? And they That's need right. the status quo. They need the status quo to, to, to stay intact so that their uh, material gains won't be disrupted, right? And Absolutely. because they're okay with that, the average um, African-American who has to, because I was hearing this, I don't know, what's the name of the lady in Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms? Like mm -hmm. she came out and she was so adamant that you know basically scolding the people you need to go back you need to stop with this writing and just be like i was like hold on is this are you black and are you knowing that this is something that's you know needs to be dealt with needs to, exactly and she was just so adamant that the people were you know disrespectful to the community i'm like but you realize that they're they the are they the are now having what's what um the, the a malcolm a malcolm x spirit that they're no longer in the mindset of a mal uh, martin luther 
Dr. King thing, right? And she, and her biggest concern was simple. We have to protect the infrastructure of the city. Don't tear the city down. And I'm like, okay, but the city needs to be torn down in order for a new kind of city to happen that will benefit right. everybody, not right. just yeah, well, the, the house slave privileged blacks who are able to, through capitalism, you know, have a certain amount of material um, wealth. I mean, to that, I would say absolutely. And I think I've never visited Atlanta myself, only passing through the airport. But um, I would think to ask, you know, when it comes to infrastructure, road quality, you know, how well areas are serviced by public transport are black areas, the areas that are predominantly black being served by the infrastructure. Does the city work for them too? Should be mm. the question. I think as well, when it comes to Killer Mike, it's worth pointing out that Killer Mike is a private landlord. And so he definitely has material skin in the game that yeah, he doesn't want. Because he literally was him. crying crazy. I don't know if you saw the press conference. He was crying. I didn't see that. Um, but it does make sense. It does make sense. I mean, it's within because obviously there's the there's the racial element, which is one story. But there's also the class, which often follows the lines. Yes. Not Exactly. And actually, if I can just jump in here, because that would be my take on it, is that I think that when Black Lives Matter started eight years ago, I think a lot of people were, were still gaining like an awareness to how bad things were. But in that time since, I think now there's an understanding that there's a racial aspect of it, but there's absolutely a class aspect of it. And that's mm -hmm. why you will always get the people like Candace Owens, you will always get the people like Killa Mike, you know, people that are going to use their black skin to try and undermine the movement because the mm -hmm. movement today is not just about black people. It's about black working class, class people. It's about black poor people. It's about people that, you know, this system is not benefiting. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one thing since the civil rights movement and, you know, Mike, Malcolm X talks about it too. He talked about how, you know, um, why are we fighting to sit at the table, you know what I exactly. mean? Why don't we have our own table? And so many people, there are black people you will see that are at those tables now, you know, eating that food. And they're, and, and they're comfortable yeah. and they're talking that talk. And at the end of the day, how many people cannot sit at that table so that they can? And yeah. until we address that, you know, I really don't have anything to say to T.I. or Killer Mike or any of those people. I, I wanted to just Mary Way expedition. You, expeditiously <laughs> i wanted to i want i i like what you i agree with you daniel because i and well i want to finally talk about um the, the you know the final celebrity is beyonce so i don't know if you saw the video that she put out right and it was so weird I, uh, let's not talk about the filter and just the weirdness of the entire facial expressions like she's just robotic right but what so somebody weird. made a point no shade no to you no right? but it's true no, somebody no somebody made a point though about her like she's performing blackness at this point when she was at the the the, the halftime show you know she was full blast black panther yeah. and she was just perform she was performing blackness but when she's in this moment right when people need um her to be black she refers to, to black people as people of color, you know, which is code for respectability politics because, you know, you want to be inclusive. And I just right. I feel sad for African-Americans who kind of look up to people like, you know, the celebrities. But Malcolm X said it, you know, that the worst person, black person in America to, to, um, to listen to is a black celebrity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's because. 
when you look at what it is to be a black celebrity, it's actually the system in many cases cave, cave, caving because it's much easier for a system to accept one or two black people who can have a huge amount of wealth, for example, and still fit within the existing capitalist structure than to actually allow even for black people to have their own system of capital outside the white mainstream. So for example, you look at the um, Tulsa race riot, as it's called, which is actually um, basically a genocide where we had um, a town or a city that was all the businesses were black owned. You had black doctors, black all of that, you know, black black, black planes, black schools, black, black hospitals, like a black economy. Yeah. And what happened? It wasn't it wasn't serving the existing and wider white interests, so it was destroyed. Um, and I think when yeah, when I think when when you hear about that and where that falls within the history of America and American race relations, it should be no surprise that someone like Beyonce is given huge amounts of wealth in order to be this inspirational, this almost like a false idol so that people will follow and, and will chase their, the dream and the minute chance that they too may be a Beyonce as opposed to being the first of something new, yeah. you know? Yeah. And in, that, in that regard, I have a lot of respect for Chance the Rapper for going it independently um, in, in the music industry because, you know, yeah. while, mm-hmm. while his career hasn't been quite as illustrious as it may have been, had he chosen to sign to a major label, I think by doing that, he has been able to speak out on issues. I feel like mm-hmm. he is. Um, and be, been authentic in a way, in a yeah. sense. Yeah, authenticity is a huge factor. Just so my final off, question. Just to piggyback off of what Kwesi said about the Tulsa race riots that I think we, like I've had in the back of my mind um, since the anniversary of that just passed is that that was 1921 and we are now in 2020. That was 100 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. what What have we built, you know, since yeah. that boy, what that never recovered? What have we been allowed to build? Always yeah. after, because, you know, you know, if I put my tin foil hat on for a moment, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, at a time when white America was becoming incredibly uh, enriched during the 80s, the black community was facing epidemics of AIDS, facing the crack epidemic, these things, you know. I think there has practically at various points in time been efforts to stimmy uh, black progress. And I think this this could be a very interesting junction in history because we're going to see what happens. Is this just a, is this just something that's going to be for a little bit in 2020 or is this going to be a true shift in consciousness and shift in, you yeah. know, order? I think for many people, this is a shift of consciousness. I believe that, you know, we have, we do have a lot of power. I think on one hand, yes, what have we been allowed to build? But at the same time, we have $1.2 trillion of buying power. And I believe that if, as this consciousness, um, you know, becomes more mainstream, we're going to start to harness that power for our communities. Um, we briefly talked about Candace Owens and, you know, I hate giving her lip service because I don't think that she should even have a platform. And so I would really like to, um, amplify you know another platform which is um a woman named Sarin Sensai and she yeah now for the last Sarin 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 yeah she was on she was on um what's the name of that podcast the the and when she was in a group it's a uh, the grapevine the grapevine grapevine yes exactly but Sarin also for the last you know 
at least six, seven years. And before that, she was on Tumblr. She's had a YouTube channel where she has been talking about these issues as mm-hmm. well. She does a, um, she has a series called Hidden Figures. Where yes, I know that. Highlights, you know, different mm-hmm. Black people and what they have contributed to the society because they'll really have us out here believing that, you know, we are these poor, you know, stupid folk that like, you know what I mean? We're yeah. lucky to be in America. And it's like, no, yeah. no, no, we, we built this shit. And yeah. last um, you know, she does talk a lot about the economic revolutionary, you know, side of things. And she also has a playlist about black businesses that you can support, you know, whether it's for Christmas, whether it's for Mother's Day, you know, these companies are out there. And I love it because I believe she just posted something um, within the last week. And it was like, you know what, a lot of people don't want to support black businesses because they're like, oh, you know, um, they got problems here, they got problems there. I guarantee the money that they, you know, would have by us supporting them, they could use to fix those problems rather than you just going to some white business. So, you know, it's out there. And I think it's just a matter of us, again, harnessing our economic power and demanding, you know, our own table. Right. Mm-hmm. Want, and and I want, mean, just, yeah, go ahead, crazy. If you want support, you know, as having truly not just, not just a token like Beyonce at the table, um, but truly, you know, a round table with people of all creeds and, you know, uh, race and all of that at the table, if, you, if that's not been supported and, you know, if there's been the opportunity for it for long enough, then yeah, let us have our own table. Yeah. yeah. But you know what, you know what, too, I think, you know, I've, I've, realistically, you know, how much can we really ask of black celebrities anyway, you know, and I think this is a really unveiling time for everybody, right? Right. So everybody has a role to play, right? To 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 um to uplift their own individual consciousness and to to operate in the community as authentically as 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 they can. And I don't think it's anybody's responsibility and any one person's responsibility anymore to get shit done, you know. Um speaking from from Germany's side, I feel like um it's it's going to be interesting in the coming months to see how this really affects Germany. You know as well as I do, living having lived here, that racism here is very very subtle, right? But it's it's, it's in the microaggressions. Yeah. It's just yeah. very very subtle. Um, and so I I'm hoping that individually, you know, um, not just white people, but also blacks. You remember once we talked, Daniel, about this thing of, you know, many black people here tend to hide their blackness. You know, they tend to try, especially the women, you know, with the wigs and with the bleaching and with the, yeah, I'm hoping that this is a time where everybody will just situate themselves in their most authentic self, you know, and, in as much as the, the the pandemic and this whole year has just been a colossal clusterfuck, I feel though that it is a clarifying moment, right? Um, because I read somewhere somebody said truth never really brings people together. Truth divides people, right? Mm-hmm. Because truth makes forces you to pick a side and to decide, you know, who you are and what you are, right? So I just hope that that that's what my hope is for the rest of 2020. Yeah. I'm going to start with you, Crazy. What's your hope? My hope is that this moment uh, is really haunted. And I, 
I'm hoping that it is the moment for a widening of consciousness. I feel like in some ways history is repeating and we have a choice of what it's going to be. If you think about back to the 20th century, they had a pandemic in 19. So I'm saying that um, I would hope that there is, this is a moment where we see a widening of consciousness. Um, yeah. I, I, I was beginning to see patterns reemerge, and I, and I feel like we may be seeing some repetition of history, whereas in the 20th century, there was World War One, and following that, there was pandemic, um, the Spanish flu, which was global. And then there was, you know, unrelated, um, but there was the Great Depression of the 20s. And 100 years later, we find ourselves in this position now. As we know, in Germany, the Great Depression hit Germany hard and eventually led to the rise of fascism and Hitler's Germany. I'm hoping that this time around with the historical context, we can actually harness that to make change in the right direction. How can we um, flatten society instead of making it more hierarchical? How can we ensure that wealth is redistributed in, in, a, in a positive and meaningful way that benefits humans and is not just supporting mechanisms that consolidate capital? I, looking forward, you know, I worry about um, Obviously, there's the immediate unemployment um, due to COVID and how that already predominantly affects black and brown people. And I, I worry about that combined with, you know, whatever is coming next in terms of automation. I think a lot of uh, capitalists will worry about the fact that, you know, jobs can stop if there's a pandemic. And I think there will be a push or a counteraction to try and make jobs, whether it's, you know, the person who flips burgers, all of the essential workers, you know, all of these things, if they can automate it away, they will try. And I think it's an important moment where we can push back and say, if you, if you want to automate, that's fine. But then you use your profits to pay reparations, to to make a yeah. difference, to benefit the community that you take advantage of economically. So that's my hope. We shall see. I think it's step one. I think this is far from the far from the end. And we'll see where it ends up. Yeah. Inye, you want to go? And then, Daniel, you get the last word. Um, well, for me, I think one thing that I've really realized that, you know, we need to work on is more of an understanding towards each other and also having more compassion. Like, even though I see why people would have issues with, you know, rioting and looting, like the fact that we are trying to put that above our life, there's no, no amount of money, no amount of property or anything that can like bring back, you know, if it's not George Floyd, if it's not Trayvon Martin and all the several other people who have died who've like, you know, for like no reason at all. And where, you know, all of these people, these police policemen who are supposed to be there for, you know, for the society, that they can basically just go off living their lives, you know, as if it was any other day is just ridiculous to me. And I also find that is a big problem that I have even with black celebrities and also white celebrities and anyone in between and all that kind like I get it you know nobody likes losing things right but the fact that they're trying to you know justify it by well you know we should you know calm down and stuff like no it's been years and years of oppression of course I know I'll probably never have to have that extent of fear when like a police police comes to me like here in Germany um, than it is like in America and I'm well aware of that but I don't know how people 
who aren't attached to it in a, in a way that even if you don't have anybody who lives in America, just the fact that something like this is happening and you're living in the same world, there's something that really like breaks my heart every time like hearing something like this happens. And I just have a really, really big issue with that. And I think the best thing that can that I think 2020 has taught me is to take that downtime and like put it into like investing, like as you said, um, Daniel, that um, YouTuber who I think stuff like that is really interesting to like, there are a lot of things we're not taught in school. Mommy recently was reading um, the history of Henrietta Lacks. That's something, for example, I find yeah, absolutely absolutely. like just insane. And I was the other day I met up with a friend of mine who we went to school together and I was telling her about it. And she was like, that's so uh, weird that, you know, we don't know about it. And we we're trying to think back like in biology, we're sure we probably heard about Hella. But, you know, you know the name was never attached to like a person. Like I'm sure it was just like, you know, in bio, uh, biology, like certain things go over your head. But I don't want I can't only imagine that that's like just scratching the surface of the amount of things that we just don't know and we're not aware of and that there as you said there's just this like stereotype around black people and you don't really know like the roots the the, the real like the hidden as you said the hidden figures behind it you know so I definitely would you know to sum it up definitely you know a good amount of understanding and also a will to like to do research on your own, because I think that's what one of the protest, one of the um, the protesters who ha- were, were on the mic also said that. And Tatishi was also white. It's like black people are like, tired of them explaining it to us. It's our turn to like read about it and learn about it and educate ourselves and others and families. And yeah, I, th- I don't know if we did we mention yeah. it with the video with the girl, the little girl who like she I don't know if you saw it, like she was videotaping herself talking to her parents and parents were, you know, the those kind of low key kind of racist, you know, making comments that like, yeah, well, you know, you should turn off the news. It's like enough talking about it. And she's like, like, we don't get to get the luxury to just turn it off and not educate ourselves and like not you know try and like change the problem like you can't do right. that and, and this was a white this was a white, white girl, girl yeah. talking to her parents. parents i'm gonna try and yeah. send you the video it's really interesting i think you saw yeah. it it's, yeah. it's such an important conversation to begin to have like i'm so happy there was not one black person there yeah. it was just white on white crime right yeah. white <laughs> on white re-education right yeah. and i think that's where it needs to that's the that's the focus that needs to happen from this whole thing that it is not our problem to solve like as a white person you should feel uncomfortable and feel disgusted with your race to the extent that every conversation you have with somebody who looks like you should be rooted in okay what are we doing to dismantle this this foolishness yeah absolutely daniel your last you have the last word so you don't so my hope for the 20 for 2020 slash the 2020s is that this is yet again another wake-up call um, where people are forced to look at a reality that they may not experience but they are absolutely a part of and that and that people reflect on their position within this system and how we can dismantle it I think that for me um, probably my number one hope is that people begin to do the work to open their minds to the possibilities of the society we could live in. We don't have to have police that function in this way. We don't have to have police who are armed. We don't have to have police who are trained to do chokeholds and you know what I mean? And 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 we we slap a band-aid on it. We say, okay, you know, well, we'll put body cameras or we'll ban chokeholds or we'll no, we need to abolish the police. In my mind, this idea that we you know, just have to, you know, reform the police. The police come from slave patrols in this country. Mm -hmm. That is how the police as an institution was established. 
And so their function to this day can be traced to that and the way that they target marginalized communities, black people, and we see it time and time again. You know, um, Trevor Noah gave a talk recently where he was talking about how, you know, yeah, we all stood up because of George Floyd, but how many George Floyds don't die? How many black people are walking around having been brutalized and traumatized by the police and are just walking around? Yeah, yeah. You know, this, it it is the, it is the um, behavior and the, the, um, activities of the police to function in this way. And until we get to the root of that, which is that the police as an institution should not exist. And I know that sounds like a very radical thing to say, but again, there have been decades of work. There are books on this. There are practical ways that we can look at this. And again, I think it can be scary to hear those words, but why does that scare you? And and what scares you about looking at a, at a society that does not have the police force exist in this way. And that is the work that I plan to do because I don't actually you know, know. I have a very um, superficial understanding of this, but I know that those answers and those visions are out there. And these are the things that I would like to educate myself on because I can't do it. I now have a black child. I have a black husband. I come from a black family. And, and every day you carry in your mind as a black American that you might get the call that it's one of your family members and mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore mm-hmm. and if I spend the rest of my life doing that. I, you know, I can't be at the protests right now because I have a small child and those protests eventually will end. But what is the work? What is the long-term work? Because Black Lives Matter didn't just start last week. Black Lives Matter has now been around for eight years. And before that, you got, you know, decades, generations, centuries of this work. Yeah. So it, it may not happen in our lifetime, but what, what are we doing with our individual actions to bring that to bring us another step further? And for me, it's in abolishing the police. I that is that is my fight right now, and that's where yeah. I'm. I hope we can so, all get. To. Yeah, I, I I agree with that 100. percent And you know, 2020. I, I don't know if you we 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 did um an episode about the aquar the age of Aquarius, you know. Yes. Um, and I think what you're saying is like the age of Aquarius really is an unveiling of, you know, all the things that we um, have yeah. we have had in you know the, the 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 shadows and the corners, right? And I think it's a great time in as messy as it is, it's a wonderful, wonderful time to reimagine what the future can look like. And like you said, re- Daniel, reimagine the police force. Like you said, Amy, reimagine society crazy you know re just reimagine what life really could look like you know outside of these conditioned theories that we've lived and we see that they're they, they're not making any sense no 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 they're more of us than the people who control us uh, yeah that should be a very empowering on the one hand it's you know it's a scary thing how much they've been able to do but it's also very empowering to say that once people band together under the common banner of you know treating humans uh, with a basic level of decency um yeah. make huge strides in the right direction and we're going to finish the podcast on the thought that perhaps the pandemic was not such i mean you know we see people have died and so on but in in in, in its totality i think the, being locked away all of us um really is, has given us the opportunity the break you know the pause mm-hmm. to kind of like think okay but hold on is this really what we want for yeah. our world and for our lives and for our children and for our children's children and so on? Yeah. Listen, yeah. 
I wish that you guys, you know, are would 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 just like you know come back to Germany. Yeah. I'm just gonna put that on. Not trying I'm, to flex, but no, it's I'm not. Kind of a bit more calm over here. Just a bit. Anyway, chill, chill. Not trying chill. to shade y'all, but you know, because just Germany, a bit. Germany and Europe could get real lit just the same. But yeah, I I we miss you guys, and it's really really nice to see your faces and to be able to talk again, like you know, have we a used combo, to do, you know, to catch have, up. And Inside. It's been so long. Yeah. yeah. So it's been we, so nice we to see you guys and talk to you guys and just, you know, real have a real talk and a talk that needs to happen and needs to be heard. So right. Yeah. Please stay great. safe. And I literally mean stay physically safe and stay from Miss Rona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we will well, obviously we'll talk again, but in terms of you know the podcast, it will always have you come on and you know share your light and crazy i missed your british accent <laughs> i'm sure the audience all right kiss your beautiful baby for us yeah and give him extra hugs and all of that right take care bye guys bye. all right bye. so we're, we're